as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. May God add his blessings to the reading of the word of God here tonight. Brother Danny, would you take us to the Lord in prayer at this time? Amen. Thank you, Brother Danny, for that humble prayer. I was, I knelt down and I looked up and there's five bottles of water in here. I said, I wish I knew that this morning. Amen. I brought the whole thing for, with me this tonight. But, uh, uh, this morning we looked in the uh, very first few chapters of Romans 13 and the Lord allowed me to be able to bring a message on a thought, the believer's secular duty and how it is our, uh, our duty as a body of born again believers to respect the authority that's over us, whether we like him or not. And so tonight we're going to finish this chapter, and so by way of introduction, having begun this chapter talking about our duty of the believer to, to uh, respect and submit to the government, we now find the Apostle Paul, he now turns his attention to the believer's duty as he lives out his daily life here upon this earth. And while government passes laws that are designed to protect and control society, the Christian has a duty to live out their daily life of Christ as he passes through this world. We're supposed to live as Christians, amen, according to the Word of God. And that is the emphasis of the final verses of chapter number 13. And if you were observant as we read the text, you will notice that Paul uses the language of haste and urgency here. Uh, he is telling us that the duties mentioned here are not to be put off for another day, but are to be carried out each and every day of our lives as we walk upon the face of God's green earth. Amen? In other words, to put it in good old country boy language and, and country gal language, if you're a child of God, act like it. Amen? If you're a child of God, live like it. If you're a child of God, Taught like it. Amen. Is what the Apostle Paul is saying here. And so with that being said tonight, I want us to take a few moments to consider this subject. This morning I preached on the believer's secular duty. Tonight I want to preach on the believer's spiritual duty. What is our duty tonight as a body of born again believers when it comes to spiritual aspect of the final verses of Romans 13. Well, as we look back in verse number 11, number one, you're going to find our duty to watch diligently. Our duty to watch diligently. Back in verse 11, and that knowing the time 
that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Now, we're interested to watch the seasons we find here that the word time refers to a season of time. Uh, Paul said, there's a season of time that we better be watching, amen? I mean, we ought to be watching each and every day, but there's a season, a specific season, that has to do with the Lord's return for his people. And that's what verse number 11 is talking about here. Uh, the idea here is that the believer is to keep his eyes on the changing world around him and understand this, that Jesus Christ's coming is very, very near. Amen. I mean, friend of mine, uh, he's closer now than he was this morning. He's closer now than he was five minutes ago. And so we ought to keep our eyes open and watch diligently uh, for the soon return of the Lord. We ought to pay close attention, my friend, to what is currently happening around us. Now, don't get so consumed with the news that you forget about reading the good news. Amen. I mean, friend, we ought to be aware of our surroundings. We ought to keep up with current events, but don't let it control us. Because I told you this morning, I'll say it again. You're not in control. I'm not in control. Government's not in control. Satan's not in control. God is in control. Amen? God is the one in control. He knows what's going to happen way before we do. And so, yeah, we ought to keep up what's going on, but don't let it control us. Be aware of your surroundings. That's what I told Hunter when we went down to prison last week. I said, Hunter, always be aware of your surroundings, whether they're on this side of the fence or that side of the fence. Amen? Because uh, you just never know. But here we find that uh, the Apostle Paul is saying, as a body of born-again believers, our spiritual duty is to watch diligently, and the word time refers to a season of time, and we ought to be watching of what's happening. But sadly today... Many believers uh, cruise lazily through life, not even considering the fact that Jesus Christ might return at any moment. He said this, when I return, will I find faith upon the earth? I wonder if he was to come back right now, what would he find? He would find a few here and a few there. I mean, it's happening all across the board. I, I shared it with Brother Wells this morning. Every church that I've preached in lately, it seems like the numbers are going down, down, down instead of going up, up, up. And it's sad that it's happening that way, but it's just happening. Amen? But you know what? It has not caught God by surprise. And people live life as, as they please and without thinking of any uh, return of Jesus Christ anytime soon. And yet, all one has to do is to cross-reference the daily news in the world and cross-reference it with the Word of God. Everything, hallelujah, friend, is lining up right in place. It really is. All they got to do is cross-reference everything and see that Jesus is coming there. Therefore, the advice Jesus gave in Matthew is still good advice for us today. Therefore, be you also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Amen. And so Paul here, he said, as a spirit, it's our spiritual duty to watch diligently. Watch for this time. Then he says, watch for sleep. I don't know about you, but I like to sleep. Who likes to sleep in here? Amen. Come on now, raise your hand. Everybody likes to sleep. Some sleep more, some sleep less. And some sleep more than anybody else. I mean, I, I like to take naps. 
Sometimes uh, it's just like uh, uh, when we got off the road, we didn't get in until uh, uh, 10.30 Thursday night. We left at 12 o'clock that afternoon after the service was over. We got in 10.30 Thursday night. I got up on Friday. I felt like I had a Holy Ghost hangover. And I did, amen? That's a good kind of hangover. Come on now. That's better than ha having a Bud Stupid hangover. Okay, yeah, that's right. That's better than having a Bud Stupid hangover. I had a Holy Ghost hangover. You know what happened, brother? I, I got up, stayed up for a few hours. Then I looked at my wife. I said, I need naps. I take naps. <laughs> yeah, I take naps. That's right. Mini naps. Amen. And I did. I, I lay down and I woke up three hours later. I was tired. No, I was tired. I was tired. Amen. But you see, Paul here, he says, watch for sleep. Paul tells us that the time for slumber has long since passed. And the word high time means that the specific hour has now arrived. And too many of God's people today are sleeping on the job. Spiritually speaking, too many of God's people are sleeping on the job, living their lives as they please without any thought for the will of God, without any thought for the return of the Lord. And sleep is defined as a state of inactivity with a loss of consciousness. That's what sleep is, is defined as. Inactivity with a loss of consciousness and a decrease in response to events taking place. We don't know what's going on in the world around us when we're snoring. Come on. We don't know what's going on around us when we're in a deep sleep, do we not? I mean, we don't. As soon as our eyes close and we get in that deep sleep, we forget about everything. I mean, everything's okay as far as we know because we're not conscious. Amen. We're not conscious. And we don't know what's going on. And Paul said, we better be watching for spiritual sleep. If we're not careful, we'll go to sleep on the will of God. We're not careful, we'll go to sleep on thinking about the return of Christ. That's why it's so important. We need to watch for these things. The sleeping person is out of touch with the events that surround him or her while they sleep. And while it may be fine to doze off through a ball game, and I've been to a few of my doze off in. I did. I mean, uh, when, when, when my favorite team is, is, uh, slapping the other team silly and beating them by a long shot, I doze off. And when the game is boring, I doze off. And while it may be fine to doze off in a ball game, while it may be fine to get a good night's rest, there is no excuse tonight to, for being asleep on the things of Almighty God. However, though, many people in the church are in a state of inactivity when it comes to the things of God. And it should not be that way, friend. And may the Lord find us watching tonight when He comes and doing the will of God. He also said this in, this, in the believer's uh, spiritual activity, spiritual duty, our, our duty to watch diligently. We need to watch the seasons, watch for sleep. And of course, watch for the Savior. We need to be watching for the Savior tonight. Paul tells us that our salvation is nearer than when we believed. As you know, there are three stages of salvation. We are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. You say, no, time out. What do you mean, Brother Walter? Well, it's like this. At the moment of conversion, we were saved from the penalty of sin. Amen? I thank God tonight. I'm not going to hell. I said, friend of mine, when you get saved by the grace of God, you're not going to hell. Amen? 
That's what the Bible says. At the moment of conversion, we are saved. We are saved from the penalty of sin, not going to hell. And also, we are being saved daily from the power of sin. You see, sin shall not have dominion over you. That's what the Bible says. I'm glad tonight, friend, that sin does not have a rule over me. It doesn't have a dominion over me. Does that mean I'm not going to sin? Absolutely not. Because a lot of times, just as you do, a lot of times, I can give in to sin. I can have a wrong thought. I can say the wrong thing. Or, you know, hey, come on now, don't look at me like that. You're the same way too. Huh? Amen. But I thank God that sin does not rule me. It does not have a dominion over me. Therefore, I'm being saved daily from the penalty of sin. I'm being saved daily from the power of sin. And then we'll be saved eventually, thank God, Brother Danny, from the very presence of sin. You know, when we all get to heaven, sin is go, go, not going to be no, nowhere to be found. When we all get to heaven, there won't even be the mere word of sin. Sin is gone. Amen. Satan is gone. Amen. I thank God for the day. Uh, what a day it's going to be uh, when we all get to heaven and we're no longer in the presence of sin. That's what it means that we're going to, our salvation is going to be fully accomplished. Amen. But it's being worked out daily in our lives. And one day, Jesus is going to return for his people and we will experience the complete effect of our salvation. And what Paul means is that every day we pitch our tent one step closer to glory. Amen. Every day that goes by, we're a step closer to home. That's what Paul is saying here. He merely wants to remind you and I that Jesus is nearer today than he was yesterday. So let me ask you a question tonight. Are you living your life in anticipation of his soon return? Are you living your life in anticipation that we're getting closer to home each and every day of our lives? Paul said, the believer's spiritual duty is our duty to watch diligently. Not only that, secondly tonight, verse number 12, he says, in the believer's spiritual duty, it's our duty to war diligently. We're to watch diligently, but now he said in verse 12, we need to war diligently. Look with me in verse number 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. We find the time of crisis. Paul is telling us that the time of sleep has well passed and Now's the time to become active in the business of Almighty God. His word reminds us that there's an urgency to the things of God. Because you see, friend, every single day of our lives, people are dying without the Lord, and they're going straight to hell. Every second that goes by on the clock, two people die. Every second that goes by on the clock, two people drop off into eternity. Every second that goes by on the clock, somebody dies and either goes to heaven or they either go to hell. Every second, two people died. And Paul said, you can hear the urgency here. He said, hey, it's time to get up and awake out of sleep and get out there and war against this wickedness and spiritual darkness. That's in high places. Every day, the forces of evil are going stronger and stronger and working harder and harder in this world. There's a tremendous need tonight for the church of the living God everywhere to wake up from their slumber and to recognize the seriousness and the lateness of the hour and to get busy serving God with all their might while you can. Amen. 
If you're planning to tell your neighbors about Jesus, now is the time. If you're planning to tell your family about Jesus, now is the time. If you're planning on uh, uh, doing a work for the Lord, now is the time. If you're planning on doing the will of God, will it be preaching? Will it be teaching? Will it be so winning? Will it be singing, hey, my friend, now is the time because the time is getting short. Our salvation is getting near. And may we recognize the crisis of the hour and dedicate ourselves to being all that's sweet Lord Jesus wants you and I to be. Amen. Be all you can be. It's the time of our duty to war generously. The time of crisis is a time of, it's a time of commitment. The idea of verse 11 here is of a man rising from sleep and throwing off the bedclothes and, and his night clothes and getting himself dressed for the day. The apostle Paul uses the word armor. And we could say that he is speaking of a new recruit who shows up for duty in the military. Amen. Private tater man reporting for duty, sir. <laughs> I like that. Amen. And like I said this morning, I still am tater man. Amen. Not a woman. Amen. Come on now. He says, we can look at it in the military term because once that recruit is there showing up for military duty, he is stripped of his civilian clothes and he's now dressed up in the uniform of the, of the military that he joins. It is a change that will last as long as he serves. Hey, friend of mine, when you get saved by the grace of God, you will be listening to the Lord's army and thank God it's time that we put on the armor of God and go out there and serve Him and war diligently to fight for the souls of men. Amen. For us, the imagery is perfect. It speaks of the believer forever laying aside the ways of the old life and dressing up once for all in the ways of the new life in Jesus. And this is an idea that Paul echoed several times throughout the epistles that he wrote. And God's idea of the Christian life is one of total commitment and total dedication. I'm finding everywhere I go, the lack of commitment is getting very strong. It's a sad, sad day. When Christians who claim to be saved by the grace of God are no longer serving Him like they should. And you know what? There's a lot more we can do for God. As long as we have breath in our bodies, every one of us tonight, there's a lot we can do for God that we have not already done. Whether you're young, middle-aged, or old, there's so much we can do for God. Amen. You say, Brother Walter, I'm, I'm feeble. I can't get out like you used to. I know that. But you can dial on the phone and tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. You got social media now, we can always use that to tell somebody about the Lord. We got email now, we can always email somebody to plan the salvation. Now look here, I'm not bringing on Brother Walter, but I'll tell you what I did. As soon as the new president and vice president got elected, you know what I did? I sent them to plan the salvation. I did. I sent our governor to plan the salvation. Our senators. And I'm not bragging on Brother Walter, but I'm telling you tonight, church, there's so many ways that we can send the gospel message out. There's something that everybody can do. It's our spiritual duty to watch diligently. It's our spiritual duty tonight to war diligently. You see, the reason I say war is because, hey, when you put on the armor, you go to war, and we are at war right now with wickedness and evilness. And, and and the devil himself. You say, Brother Walter, I ain't at war with the devil, but something's wrong with you. You better be. Because, hey, I, I, I'm no match for the devil, but my God is. Amen? I'm no match for the devil, but my God is. 
I'm just a, one of God's recruits. Amen. Well, most Christians today see the Christian life as one of compromises. They honor God over here while they're doing something they please as they please over there. They say, I could do this on Sunday morning, but then the rest of the week is mine, God. Come on. Well, this cannot be. God commands for our total commitment tonight, once and for all. So I ask you a question. Have you done that? Are you even willing to do that? It's our spiritual duty to war diligently. Now look with me in verse 13. It's our spiritual duty tonight to walk diligently. Verse 13 puts it like this. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. Paul said, hey, now I've done told you about watching diligently. I've done told you about going to war diligently. Now I'm telling you this, it's time that we walk diligently. The preceding idea carries over to this verse. The Apostle Paul calls upon the believer to exhibit the right kind of walk in his everyday life. In that everyday life, we should show a decent walk. Walk. The phrase walk honestly means to behave properly. The phrase to walk honestly right here means that we should behave properly. What is that David said? I will, I will, I will behave myself in a, in a what? In a wise way. You know what that simply means? Mature way. Mature way. What did Apostle Paul say? He said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I thought I was a child. But when I became a man, he said, I put away childish things. It's our duty tonight, church, to walk diligently. We should show a decent walk, and there should be no pretense uh, in our life. Uh, that is, we are to live an outward life that is consistent with who we are on the inside. If we say we're saved on the inside, we need to walk like it on the outside. If we say we're saved, we should live as though we are saved. We are to be sure that our practice matches our profession. Let me put it this way. We want to be sure that our walkie-walkie matches up with our talkie-talkie. And vice versa. Amen? I'm convinced that the reason so many people today have such a hard time seeing clean and living for God is because maybe they've never been saved to begin with. I'm not their judge. No, I am not their judge. But the Bible does say you can tell a tree by what? The fruit that it bears. I'm not a judge. Sister Pratt, I'm a fruit inspector, according to the Word of God. Hmm? Judge righteous judgment. I'm a fruit inspector. When I see an apple tree, you know what I expect to see on that apple tree? Bananas. No. Money. Well, wouldn't that be good, amen? Apple tree produce a money tree. That'd be great. Wouldn't have to worry about raising support anymore. Just plant me a tree and there it goes. <laughs> amen. But when I look at an apple tree, according to the law of, of nature, it's supposed to produce an apple. And I look at that tree and I'm judging it whether it's going to produce an apple or not. And guess what happens when I see it rightly, going the right way and producing the right way? I see an apple. And friend, it's like this. When somebody claims to be saved by the grace of Almighty God, and they claim the name of Christ, when I look at them, I expect them. And when they look at me, they expect me to walk the walk and talk the talk. Amen. Hot dog and hallelujah there. Well, we should walk a decent walk. And like I said, I'm not their I'm not their judge, but I am their we are their fruit inspector. I'm also convinced that the reason so many, like I said, maybe they're not 
Maybe they're not saved, but the Bible says with the new birth comes a new desire to live a life that's pleasing to God. A life that is honest. A life that is a living sacrifice to His glory in the world. Which is holy, acceptable unto God, your reasonable service. Romans chapter number 12. Does your walk match your talk? He uses a phrase as in the day. That is, there should be nothing hidden about our lives. We should be like an open book to all who look at us and see how we live. Nothing hypocritical, nothing hidden, just life that is open, honest, and pleasing to Almighty God. Does that describe your life and ours and mine? We should walk, we should shun a devilish walk. This believer's spiritual duty is, according to this verse, we should shun a devilish walk. After telling how we should live, the Apostle Paul turns his attention to how we should not live. He mentioned six sins of the flesh that were no doubt prevalent in Paul's day. And these six sins, my friend, are also prevalent in our day as well. Look at them for just a moment. He mentions rioting. What is rioting? It, refers, it goes far beyond going out and destroying stuff. The, the Apostle Paul said, rioting right here, it means this, it means wild parties and, and sexual parties and, and, and brawlings and things of that nature. And then he goes on to talk about drunkenness. It means it refers, refers to habitual and intentional intoxication. It speaks of alcohol, drug abuse. It is interesting to note this, that the New Testament, when it speaks of drunkenness, also speaks of rioting together. Pretty interesting to study that out. He speaks of drunkenness and rioting both in the same uh, 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 verse right here. Then he talks about chambering. This word comes from the word that means to go to bed with someone. It refers to sexual activity uh, that are engaged in, out, in outside of the marriage relationship. It is a work of the flesh. It is sin. That's what that's talking about. And you know what, friend? It's a sad statement of the condition of the professing church when sexual activity that has been forbidden by God is as prevalent in the church as it is in the world. Amen. Then he talks about wantonness. This word is tied to the previous word and it refers to unbridled, uninhibited sexual desire and activity. It speaks against the casual attitude that uh, society holds concerning sex wherever Whatever form it may be of sexual expression is indulged in and encouraged. Then he goes on and talks about strife. This word refers to the mindset that seeks its own way first and foremost without regard of the cost to others. Selfishness. My way or no way. My way, not God's way. My way and not your way is what this is talking about. It's, um, it speaks of those people who are constantly bickering, engaging in uh, competitive antagonism and petty disagreements. It speaks of people who are just down at mean. Amen. That's what it's talking about here. Always looking for a fight, walking around with an attitude or chip on their shoulder. Brother Danny, I just finished writing a new lesson, and it's called the gratitude attitude. You know what it talks about? Being thankful. And I tell the story about Pollyanna. Y'all seen that movie? Disney movie, Pollyanna. Her parents were missionaries somewhere. I forget where it was at now. And they died on the mission field. But her father taught her a, a game that was called the glad game. 
And what was that glad game about? Well, if you remember in the movie, it, it talks about being thankful. One year, she got, see, as missionaries on the foreign field, they had to depend upon churches back home to send them Christmas gifts. They, they called them uh, Christmas barrels, I believe is what they called. And so whatever came in that barrel, that's what they had uh, uh, for that Christmas year. Well, one year, Miss Pollyanna, she got a set of crutches. She didn't get the doll that she wanted. You know what was, you know what lesson was taught there? She ought to be thankful that she didn't need those crutches. Huh? She's glad that she got them, but not, she's thankful that she didn't have to need them. Well, we find strife goes against all the thankfulness. And unfortunately, the world and suddenly the church is filled with that, this kind of people. Then he talks about envying. It refers to a spirit of jealousy. I said it before, I said it a thousand times. It's a green-eyed mustard that'll get anybody in trouble. Jealousy, if you listen to my unshackled story, if you haven't, I'm gonna go ahead and give you a spoiler. Jealousy is what got my neighbor killed when I was twelve years old by my stepdaddy. Turned the gun and shot my neighbor right there in front of me as a twelve year old boy, and then he turned around and pointed the gun at me and was gonna shoot me. Had he not called the police. Had my mama not called the police. Jealousy. Envy. And this is an attitude of me first and everyone else after. It's an attitude of the heart that seeks everything that self wants without concern for the impact upon the lives of others. So I'd ask you tonight, are any of these active in your life? If so, there's a remedy. Amen. It's called confession and repentance. Amen. There's always a remedy. I think there's a song like that. Well, Last of all tonight, we find in the believer's spiritual duty, we see in verse 14, our duty to wait diligently. We see that there was uh, our duty to watch diligently, our duty to war diligently, our duty to walk diligently, but in verse 14, we find our duty to wait diligently. Verse 14, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Wait properly dressed, the Apostle Paul said. He tells us that while we are waiting in this world for the Lord to return, we should be careful that we act the right way. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's dressed in the right way, amen? Spiritually speaking, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, we were placed into Jesus at the moment of our conversion, but here he means that we are to clothe ourselves in everything that Jesus is. We are to adopt his character as our character. We don't adopt his lifestyle as our lifestyle. He is truth. We are to walk in truth. He is the light and we are to walk in the light. Amen. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ uh, covers all sin. Amen. We are to, I mean, talking about walking in the light, you could probably turn the lights off and see me and Brother Danny coming a mile away for our head shining. That's that glory of God. Amen, Brother Danny. Amen. That's what that is. But uh, uh, our spiritual duty is to wait diligently, wait properly dressed, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is holy. We're to be holy. He loves the Father. We're to love the Father. He walks in total obedience to God, and we should walk in total obedience to God. The idea is encapsulated by John in 1 John 2, 6. He's, he that saith he abideth in him ought also himself to walk, even as he walked. Apostle John said so. 
The idea here is a progression toward perfection. No, we're not perfect. I didn't say that this morning. But our idea is to progress toward that perfection in that walk with Jesus as we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. God is in the business of growing saints. Amen? And if a child of God ain't growing, something's wrong. Something has stunted his or her growth. Like a Bible reading, like a Bible study, like a praying, like a faithfulness to the house of God. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. If a child of God is not growing spiritually, something is not right. Um, he is seeking to reproduce the life of His Son in each and every one of us. Therefore, until Jesus comes, we will be determined that we will live Christ-like in front of a hell-bound world. Amen? Regardless of what goes on out there. So we are to, in our spiritual duty, wait diligently, wait properly dressed, wait properly disengaged. Paul said, make no provision for the flesh. That word provision here, it means forethought or planning. The idea is this, we are to avoid any and all attempts by the mind to allow the fulfilling of fleshly lusts. Casting down wicked imaginations is what this is talking about. We are guilty of assuming that sin begins with the devil. A lot of times we like to blame the dirty, rotten devil. A lot of times it's his fault. But 99% of the time you know whose fault it is? Huh? Come on. The man in the mirror. <laughs> Woman in the mirror. Hey, man. Child in the mirror. I mean, if you have to take your accountability. <laughs> but as long as we live in the world, it's like this. That occurs occasionally, more often than not, sin begins a little closer to home. As long as we live in His world, they're going to be within us a pull towards the things of the world. This world's attractive. Amen. Let's be honest. Let's take the plastic off. This world is attractive to the flesh. I mean, the lights are attractive. I mean, my friend, the, the glitter's attractive. But like the old saying goes, not everything that glitters is gold. You see the attractive billboards going up and down the highway? I use this a lot in the school. You see a, you see a group of young people on a billboard or, or uh, uh, young adults on a billboard at a party having a smile on their faces. They all got Bud stupid in their hand. But what you don't see is what's on the other side of that billboard. Splinters. Nails. Ugliness. A lot of times they see the... They see the glory in it, but they don't see the, the they don't see the gorge in it. The, they don't see all that can take place that's bad. That's the way the devil paints the picture, does he not? He attracts with the glitter. He attracts with the gold. He attracts with the attractions of the world. But when the world is done with you, and when the devil is done with you, then you're ruined for the rest of your life. That's why we ought to walk diligently. Amen. Even as hey, look up here. You say, I'm a saved, born-again child of God. I'm saved and heaven bound with a hammer down. That's great. That's wonderful. But we're still to be careful, amen. We're still to be careful because, hey, we're still flesh. Devil can pull us in. He can't take us to hell, Sister Pratt, but he can mess us up. He can mess us up. Well, 
We will sin, but we don't have to. Amen. We will be tempted, but we don't have to yield to that temptation. Romans 6, 14. I do quote it. For sin should not have dominion over you. You are not under law, but under grace. Amen. Thank God that we live under grace. I'm glad I'm not under law. You know why? Because if I were under law, I wouldn't be dead. God would have done took me out of here. But we're under grace. When we allow our minds, our hearts, and our wills, and our emotions. Right there's one. That gets a lot of people in trouble. The emotions. When we allow the emotions to rule over our lives. They will make provision for the flesh. Because they are still heavily influenced by the flesh. And by its wicked desire. However when we allow the precious spirit of God. To control our thinking. We will not do what the flesh wants to do. But we will do hallelujah. What the spirit of God wants us to do. That's why it's our spiritual duty tonight to walk in these things. Galatians 5.16 puts it like this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's the Bible. The whole idea is that we are to control the mind, control the heart, control the will, control the emotions so that they can be under the power and the Spirit of Almighty God. A lot of times people let their emotions control them. And it gets totally out of hand. Instead of giving it to God, they try to work it out in their own will. They depend upon the arm and the flesh. But like the old song goes, uh, the arm of the flesh will fail you, honey. It's your will. Arm of the flesh will fail you. Put no confidence in the flesh. But trust God. Well, the Spirit of God is able to give us the victory in this warfare tonight if we're to do exactly what the latter part of verse chapter 13 tells us to do. First John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because I love this. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he in the world. First Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So as I close tonight, let me ask you this question. Child of God, are, are you doing your spiritual duty? We talked about the secular duty this morning, but right now, what about your spiritual duty? Are you doing according to Romans 13, verses 11 through 14? Or has the Spirit of God placed His finger in some area of your life or others that need immediate attention? Has God said, hey, you need some help right here. Hey, you're not doing that. Hey, you should do this. Quit letting your emotions control you. Quit letting this control you and give it to me. Child of God, what is it tonight? If so, then I recommend you bring it to Him and call upon Jesus. So, in the believer's spiritual duty, we have a duty tonight to watch diligently. We have a duty tonight to war diligently. We have a duty tonight to walk diligently. And last of all, we have a duty to wait diligently. What's it going to be tonight? Father, we love you so much. Thank you, my Lord, for loving us and taking care of us, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the Word of God. It is forever settled in heaven. Lord, I thank you that you've allowed me to be able to study this chapter out and and God, you've given me something new every time I study it. But Lord, this time it's been really hitting home to me. 
And I pray, dear God, that uh, your people here would take this chapter and apply it to each and every one of their lives. I pray, God, you help us all to do as you told us to do in verses 11 through 14. Help us, dear God, to be reminded that when we walk away uh, from you or maybe we walk off the beaten path, you take that shepherd's hook and you'll pull us right back in. Help us, mighty God, I pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask these things. Amen. Brother Danny, any announcements or anything we need to make tonight before we close? Five per person. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen.